to another episode of the Leadership Download. I'm here with uh, Travis Van Dusen and myself. We have a, a special guest today um, that I've worked with. Uh, her name is Amanda Wolf. Uh, she is currently the Director of Human Resources with uh, Beep Inc. Is that correct, Amanda? That's right. Uh, and she, we're, the topic that we're going to be talking about today, we're going to be talking about uh, different generations and the different aspects of what motivates the different generations. So thank you, Amanda, for, for being here and be willing to be a part of our leadership podcast. You know, our purpose here is really to um, share our passion for leadership and help others grow um, and really help the younger generation strive for a role of leadership or influence. Um, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be a part of it. Yeah, so to uh, thank you. So to start off, um, start off our discussion, we have four various generations in the workforce. So our newest generation in the workforce is Generation Z. So they are uh, individuals from that were born from 1996 to 2015. Uh, we have the millennials, which are the largest uh, workforce, uh, largest group of workers in the workforce now. Uh, they're born from years 1977 to 1995. We have Generation X. Uh, they're born between 1965 to 1976. And then we have the Baby Boomers, uh, which are born from 1946 to 1964. Um, so to start off our discussion, Amanda, Travis, um, what motivates employees of the different generations and what do they value? So let's start with the oldest generation, which is the baby boomers. Sure. I think it's also important to note that the ages and ranges of your generational um, timelines are very fluid. Depends on who you look at, whether it's the U.S. Census or Pew, everybody's going to have a different age range. Um, so it's also important to note that we actually have a fifth generation still in the workforce, and that is the traditionalists. They currently make up about 3% of the workforce. Although it is dwindling, they are still there. Um, so if we'll jump to the baby boomers, they, uh, you know, they really grew up in this post-war economic boom. Um, it was when um, the majority of the traditionalists returned from war. Everything was, from an economical perspective, everything was just booming, um, including the children. So that's why we call them a baby boom generation. They grew up under the impression that um, to sacrifice their own personal, um, to sacrifice personally to, um, in order to become more productive at work. So they value things like um, working, the, they're more competitive in the work generation. He who finishes first mentality. They're really looking to be at the top of their game. They're looking for titles, they're looking for promotions. Um, they're actually the generation that's most likely to be in the office, right? So they're the ones that if, as long as I'm there before the boss and I leave after the boss, then I'm working. Um, so that's really what kind of what they envision as the value system for their working. 
Um, the things they value right now, they're really entering that retirement or, or they're solidly in retirement age. So they are valuing things like a 401k if they don't have one. Pensions went away with this generation, so they may not have saved enough in the early years. Um, and again, they're looking for that respect, that recognition, and those titles. All right. And how about the uh, Generation X? The forgotten generation, as most people call them. <laughs> <laughs> they actually saw most of their parents in the workforce. So both mom and dad were in the workforce, again, coming off of that boomer generation. Um, they were latchkey kids. They were most likely to be alone at home after school. So they're very independent. They also saw layoffs, even though their parents would have valued loyalty to one company. The Gen Xers are not going to. They saw their parents get laid off as soon as a company struggled. They also saw the rising increase in divorce rates. So they're highly adaptable to changes. They may have had two Christmases uh, because of that rate, rising divorce rate. Um, they value a work-life balance. So as a boomer might have lived to work, a Gen Xer is going to want to balance those two. There's, there's, a, there's a time for work. There's a time for personal and so unlimited PTO is something that they truly value. Yeah. Um, they did see their parents struggle with retirement. They knew that pensions were no longer things, so they would have started saving for retirement very early. 401k or stock options or something that will motivate them. Hmm. Okay. And uh, now on to the uh, millennial generation, uh, also right. known as Generation Y. <laughs> yes, right. So the millennial generation is a generation everybody loves to hate. Um, you know, they've, they've always got something to say about the millennials, but it's really important to remember that we built them, right? We built them as they are. So we need to understand what influenced them and what made them the way they are now. They're also a generation that has fractured into two. There's pre and post recession millennials. Pre recession millennials hate to be called millennials. They usually say I'm more Gen X than I am millennial. And post-recession millennials were driven by an entirely different type of influence. So our pre-recession millennials um, were always told, you go to college, you get a, as long as you get a good degree, go to the best college you can, you're going to get a job as soon as you come out of school. Mm. Well, because we told an entire generation that, colleges started seeing a boost in uh, enrollment. As with any economic venture, supply versus demand, we saw rising tuition rates. So that second wave of millennial, millennials that came through, they were in a much more competitive space. So their parents raised them to have all of those extras. They kept them constantly busy with sports. They kept them constantly busy with after-curricular activities so that they could get into the best college. So this whole entire generation has just crippling student loan debt. As soon as they come out of school, it's a recession and a pretty significant one at that. Not only that, this generation was impacted the most during the COVID pandemic. So in terms of economic growth, this generation, more so than any generation in 150 years, has less economic growth and savings than any other generation. Mm. So they're, they're really looking at sort of this um, cynicism towards work. Right? They're going to be influenced by something entirely different. They need their work to mean something. They need to be valued by their employers. They need their employers to be socially responsible. They value team. Right, We've, we've put them all in teams. They were all in soccer. So 
Team events, they value participation more than they value results. That's the everybody gets the trophy thing. Um, work for them is not a, a thing, or, or I'm sorry, is a thing and not a place. So they also value that work from home mentality. Um, they are more motivated by experiences than they are money, which is a common misconception. A lot of people think, oh, millennials just want uh, more money, more money. That's not true. They really want those social interactions. They want those connections and they want those experiences. And they will stay with a company that offers that to them. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the things that might attract and retain a millennial, obviously 401k, I think that goes without saying, but they're really looking for maybe financial consulting or tuition reimbursement because they still have that crippling loan debt, you know, 15, 20 years later. Um, and they are looking for a socially responsible company. Okay. And lastly, which is the emerging generation of the workforce, also known as uh, Generation Z. Yes. This is going to be a very interesting generation to watch. Um, if you imagine their entire lives have been lived online. Their baby photos were posted on Facebook. Their first steps, their first words, their kindergarten graduation. Absolutely every They grew up with a phone in their hand. Um, so this generation has never really been out of the watchful eye of the public. And interestingly enough, they have a higher ratio of limited interpersonal skills. However, they still prefer face-to-face -face interaction, which is really intriguing. So although they're comfortable texting, they're comfortable emailing, they would still prefer to have a face-to-face -face conversation, but maybe not always in the way that you're thinking. So if you um, watch a Gen Z walk around with their phone on FaceTime, they're having a conversation with somebody, but they're not really looking at their phone. That to them is a face-to-face -face interaction. Um, and that's really valuable to them to be able to look down and see someone's face rather than just constantly texting. Um, they value extreme transparency. And by that, I mean that they can decipher fake news because they're constantly inundated and constantly consuming information. They learn to filter out that which is not necessarily on the up and up. They're a little bit more cynical because of that. Um, they are going to look for companies who, uh, for example, you're seeing it all over right now where companies are changing their logo for Pride Month. That's well and good, and that's a start, but they're going to be the ones that will call that company out for not having policies and practices in place that match that, right? So if a company just changes the logo and does nothing about it or makes a statement for BLM and does nothing about it, the Generation Z will absolutely call them out for that. They're highly, highly um, adept at social media and they can mobilize quickly, very, very quickly. So this is going to be a really interesting generation to watch because many of them were still in high school when the pandemic hit or middle school even. Um, so a lot of them are going to either come out with this insane ability to adapt, right? but there's also a potential for a knowledge gap here. So it is something that companies are going to have to look into. They're also way more fiscally um, conservative than the millennials. They look at a college degree and they say it might be a means to an end, but do I really need one? And do I really need one from those top-notch schools or can I get a state school? They do not want the crippling debt that they saw the millennials have. Hmm. So because of that, they're going to be motivated by um, tuition assistance or even tuition payback and definitely a company that is socially responsible and uh, 
tries to minimize their their footprint, their carbon footprint. Wow, it's amazing that you we just went through that in you know just a few minutes. And my first instinct is to say that's like when we started with the you know back with you know the beginning with the baby boomers, and now we end up with Gen Z. That that's that's day and night mm-hmm. difference of what's important, and yet all four of these. Uh, generations have to coexist in, in, in a workforce, um, and obviously, stating up front, that's that's not an easy challenge to overcome by a long shot. What are some of the things that you're seeing companies do that do it well as far as being able to motivate a multi generational uh, workforce? I think the companies that that manage this well are the companies that lean in, right? Understanding that these differences are there. Um, first and foremost, leveraging the strengths because they all have strengths. And just like you've heard um, companies talk about, you know, diversity and inclusion and, and belonging, that pertains to generations just as much as it does to multicultural uh, workforces. So having that diversity of thought, diversity of influence, diversity of background, um, that's all going to make a big difference in an organization. One of the things that I like to tell people is, you know, although this is very generalized when we talk about generations, everybody is an individual and everybody comes to the table differently. So even though you might be born within the space of a millennial, you might not relate as much to the millennial groups, right? Um, If you think about a commute to work, everybody gets there from a different vantage point. One person might ride their bike. Then it's a short ride, it's a beautiful day, their blood's pumping. Somebody else might take, uh, you know, the I-4 freeway, they almost got in an accident, it was traffic, they're very stressed. When you think about all of them coming to that morning meeting, they're all coming from a very different space. And just coming in and understanding that, learning about it, and asking questions is going to be really key in making that transition and being able to get that group to work cohesively together. So if I understand right, really from a from a leadership perspective, then it's really seeking to understand more than it is trying to relate. Yeah, you know? I, I tell people, I tell my leaders to become a cultural chameleon. And by that I mean learn about it, adapt your strengths, or I'm sorry, adapt your communication style to their strengths and leverage those strengths, but know ahead of time that you know you have to learn about them. You can't just shut yourself off and say, well, my way is the right way. Um, this is what I value, so you have to value it too. This is what's right. I don't think that that's ever going to succeed, no matter what you're talking about. Mm. That's good. That's good. Cameron, any thoughts? Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things that you mentioned is, um, um, you know, understanding the traits of each generation. But, you know, myself right now, I'm in a situation where I have a challenge as a millennial, uh, you know, being innovative in a new environment and trying to encourage a baby boomer to take on my ideas, but they just don't get it. They don't speak my language. They don't uh, understand, you know, they like things, you know, the way it always was or is and doing the traditional method. How do you work in that type of environment? And understand, trying to give un, some understanding. Sure. I think it's, unfortunately for you, it's a two-way street in that particular um, scenario. You need to understand where they're coming from just as much as you want them to understand where you're coming from. So 
working through what motivates them, working through why they, why they believe their idea is the best, and then trying to adapt your, you know, your presentation or your proposal to them in a way that really speaks to their strengths, usually will we'll get them to at least start to think or move in that direction. Yeah. Um, you know, being a, a fairly influential person is a skill, I think, regardless of your generation. But I think in order to sell, and that is truly selling your proposal to them, you have to feed it in a way that um, what's in it for them, right? Where's the benefit for them? So um, from a baby boomer perspective, is it um, something that's going to make their department look good? Is it something that's going to maybe um, save some of the, the additional workloads so that they can, you know, or move on to something else. I mean, you have to kind of look at what their motivators are and why they're not willing to see anything else. Okay. And um, yeah, moving on to the next uh, next question is, uh, you know, there's a lot of focus in regards to talent development and overall leadership development currently on both millennials and Generation Z, since they are really the emerging uh, generations in today's workforce, um, and they're very motivated to reach the top of, of the organi- of the organizations. Now, how do we as leaders and human resource professionals promote a, a multi-generational workforce and having a proper balance so that each of the generations in the workplace, they have a fair share not left out so that everyone, each of the generation from your baby boomers to the Generation Z are being uh, developed and valued so i think um development is really key in any organization but the way that we develop is going to be different so um it's interesting that you said fair share i think fair share is somewhat of a fallacy unfortunately because of the fact that you know equal doesn't necessarily mean equality so when we talk about development even a boomer still in retirement age wants to learn something so we can't neglect them they just will learn very differently than per, perhaps a Gen Zer. So the opportunities for development have to be across all spectrums. They have to be in person, they have to be via Zoom, they have to be on an LMS. I mean, you, you really need to make it accessible, not just for, for different um, abilities, but also or learning abilities, but also for different generational um, preferences. So again, I, I say leverage their skills right? Leverage what they're comfortable with. Um, If, for example, millennials are really comfortable with an LMS, make sure that that's your opportunity for development. Millennials actually are looking for mentors. So here's a really great opportunity. You have this uh, tremendous knowledge base in your baby boomer generation. They love to teach. They love to tell people that they know what's happening in in the organization. So leverage that by making them a mentor for a millennial or Gen Z who loves to learn. Um, You know, by partnering those two up and doing checkpoints along the way, making sure that that relationship is progressing forward, not only are you saving your organization from a knowledge gap once that baby boomer retires, but you're also offering a really great developmental mentorship program for your uh, millennials and your Gen Zers. Yeah, that's 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 a really good point, because, you know, um, like one of the things I've noticed, you know, my dad's in the truck driving industry, for example. And, um, you know, he's obviously coming from that older generation that's closer to retirement. And one of the conflicts right now is um, 
the computer-based systems. You're going from going from a logbook with paper to now everything being computerized. Well, there's this major conflict amongst these these uh, you know these uh, baby boomers, Gen Xers, who you know what they didn't really grow up using a ton of technology, and now suddenly they're being thrust into this environment where everything's online, and you have these what he calls like these young guns jumping in and you know they're able to excel past them because the environment's in more favor towards them mm-hmm. you know obviously we have to continue to move forward mm-hmm. um but how do you make sure that you know we don't leave people behind or or disadvantage someone simply because you know they didn't have that they didn't grow up with a cell phone in their hand like like most millennials and and, and you know this Gen Z generation has that that is unfortunately an eternal struggle, right? The the paper versus paperless, um, and I'm myself am guilty of I want everything to be paperless, and and sometimes I forget that there are folks that are not comfortable with that. Um, it does t- it, it makes sense not only for the corporation; it's going to be more cost effective to be paperless. It makes sense to leverage the strengths of the millennials and the Gen Zers who are looking for that more more socially responsible company who is going to do things that are, you know, reducing their carbon footprint and their environmental impact. So it does make sense to move into a paperless environment, but we have to be patient with those that are still um, increasingly comfortable with paper, right? So they still want something tangible to touch and to Make sure that they're they're writing the um, their notes out, they're writing their numbers out. So having those developmental opportunities, showing them the benefits of it, and sometimes it is just showing them the bottom line, like how much money we waste on paper, um, and giving them opportunities to continue to work towards a paperless. Maybe it's just one step at a time. Maybe it's just this report that's going to be paperless this month, and next month it's going to be this report that's paperless, and really easing them into it. Um, giving again, giving them that patience and that grace, realizing they just didn't grow up with this. This is yeah. entirely new to them. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really important. It's because talking about that learning perspective, it's like you know, uh, we're, we've all been in the aviation industry at one point or another. So it's like us getting put into a cockpit of an airplane and say, "I'll fly this." Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, no, I have no background in this. And a pilot could sit in the other seat and say, "Oh, it's, it's so easy." Yes. And it's like, you know, you know, remember, you grew up with technology and, you know, your your mother and father grew up without it and had tried to adapt bits and pieces of it. Yeah. And when you look at it from that perspective, you're like, I get it. And, you know, and then you can have a little bit more sympathy and a little bit more of an understanding of, OK, let's slow this down and, and, and start from, you know, from A to Z and go through this quickly, you know, a little bit slower. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, it is interesting because. I hear a lot of um, boomers who begrudgingly don't want to change and don't want to adapt. And then I also hear millennials who begrudgingly don't want, they, they need boomers to adapt. And that sort of, sort of seems to be the biggest contention, right? Is you need to hear my idea. Well, you need to hear my idea. Well, I'm right. No, I'm right. Um, and in reality, they both are. They both just have very different ways of coming to the table. And so that patience and that grace has to come from both sides. Yeah. And I think I think the last thing I'd add in there would be that it's it's very important, especially with this, the uh, the younger generations, that every decision you make, especially something that alters somebody's schedule or their their daily 
their kind of their 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 daily habits is to explain to them why. Yes. Why oh, why yeah. are we why are we changing things? Because I think, um, especially as leaders, we are guilty of going in and implementing a change that potentially radically changes people's way of life, and we never give them the details behind. Here's why we're doing this, you know, or you know, here's why we're being forced to do this. You know, the mm-hmm. FAA has changed regulation. Mm-hmm. Um, and once people understand the why behind it, it's kind of a little easier to to digest sometimes. Um, that, that's very accurate. I tell people all the time, without the why, you're never going to get buy-in. So take that time, explain the why, explain it again until you have buy-in. Absolutely. Yeah. So we're wrapping up, kind of moving on to our final question, you know, being that you've been in multiple organizations in the HR field and and, and seen multiple work environments, uh, what would you say is that kind of next thing that's that you say be on the lookout for in the HR world, kind of as we continue to shift and make these adjustments with a multi-generational uh, workforce? I think what we're seeing, at least in in HR and legislative change, is um, more of an acknowledgement of diversity and inclusion across all realms, right? Ethnically, culturally, um, gender, I mean, generational, everything is is becoming a more inclusive environment from an HR legislative standpoint. So that will continue. That will absolutely continue. Um, and, and this Gen Z that is, is growing up in this world where everybody is welcome at the table, that's not going to change for them. In fact, if anything, they're going to want more and more of it. So in terms of changes that I see, companies that are able to adapt, companies that are able to lean in and really look for um, team members who are going to be a part of that growth and a part of that development are going to succeed. Companies that are stuck in saying, well, we've always done it this way, you know, it's it's that old adage of adapt or die. And adaptability, I think, is going to be key. You know, you mentioned changing things or changing things rapidly. With technology moving at the speed that it is now, I mean, generations are no longer 20, 30 years long. They're 15, and they're fractured into two. So we are constantly evolving and constantly changing at a faster and faster pace due to technology. The jobs that we have today didn't exist 5, 10, 15 years ago. So with as with everything, any company, any team member who wants to be a part of the future of the world of work really needs to be able to embrace that. Um, take that time to make sure that you're including everyone, even if they differ in opinion from you. Um, give them some grace if you disagree and try to try to understand where they're coming from. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Cameron, anything else? I, I do have a quick bonus question, but uh, Cameron, you got anything you want to add? Uh, you, do, you do make a good point, Amanda, because uh, in today's society, diversity and inclusion is becoming an emerging conversation uh, amongst the media and now with organizations. And I think it's so important beyond the generational diversity that we cherish and value, even though it may not align with our views or beliefs that we uh, as leaders and HR professionals continue to value and cherish that um, and make sure each and every individual in in on our teams with our companies are feel valued and feel a part of the team and not exiled into the corner. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks Absolutely. for that. 
No, I said, thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I think we need to start looking for those voices that maybe have been minimized. We need to amplify those voices. Um, you know, different groups that maybe weren't uh, sourced from, we need to start sourcing from those groups. Um, all different abilities, all different um, thoughts, all different backgrounds are going to give us just a richer and deeper um, knowledge base and a way more creative future. Yeah, I love that. Love that. One of one of my one of my mentors, he always he always says, walk walk slowly through the crowd as a leader, meaning, you know, you should always be walking slow enough that you're hearing and listening to what's going on around you so that you can you can pick up, you know, what's going on, you know. Don't be I that, love that Yeah. Walk slowly through the crowd. That's John Maxwell. But uh he um but just that idea that you you're you as a leader, your biggest job is to be listening. And taking the signals from what's going on around you so that you can adapt and make decisions off of that. And there's going to be somebody in your organization that maybe you've kind of left on the the outskirts of your, you know, not really having conversation with them that could bring you a solution that uh, that you're not even thinking about because you're not looking at it from uh, the, uh, an angle that's relative to what they're seeing. So, that's, you know, all we have to do is stop and ask. That's right? absolutely Stop and ask, what motivates you? What are you looking for? What are you missing within your workspace? What do you need from the organization? Simple questions, and you'll you'll get a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. So I guess the bonus question I want to wrap us up with is, is, you know, just generally throughout the HR rule world, I know you um, I know you worked in the aviation space, you know, with with us actually. Um, <laughs> and uh, what is that one mistake? or one continuous error you see managers and leaders making that you say, you know, I wish I could just get this across and then we wouldn't have this conflict anymore when it comes to engaging kind of this multicultural workforce. This one? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's really kind of two and threefold. Uh, jumping to conclusions is a big one. Um, assuming you know, without stopping to ask, without stopping to communicate, um, failing to communicate just altogether, um, or failing to clearly communicate, um, and, and really just assuming your way is the only way, or your way is the right way, without acknowledging that there are differing viewpoints. Um, I think all three of those lend themselves to a, a type of persona that people are very challenged to work for. That's good. All right. Well, you want to wrap it up, Travis? Yeah. Well, yeah. Amanda, Amanda, thank you so much for uh, for taking a couple minutes with us this afternoon. It's been greatly appreciated. Um, it's always fun to get a uh, an HR perspective, um, you know, so and just kind of get a different different viewpoint on on a on a subject that I think is very very important in our workforce today, and it's going to only get more important um, as as we evolve. As a, as a workforce. So thanks again. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, gentlemen. All so, right. Well, thank you, Amanda. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.